what people see now that I'm going through, they are seeing the culmination of things blooming, right? Mm. So I feel like I spent probably a solid decade uh, planting and watering in the very unseen places. Friends, I am so excited for this episode today. I am bringing you one of my dear friends, Rachel Gilbert. You may know her from the podcast, Real Talk with Rachel. We have known each other for several years, and we have connected as friends and coworkers for a really long time. But she has recently written a book, and we are going to talk about that book today, but we're going to talk about more than that. We're going to talk about what it's like to be a business owner and a therapist and a mom and a fitness instructor and a ministry leader and all these things. And then get this passion for this message in your heart that is so powerful that you have got to figure out a way to get it out into the world. So what do you do when you're running a business and something else grabs your heart? I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation. We are talking about letting go of control. Why am I chasing what I'm chasing? And her best advice for pursuing your passion. It's so good. And you guys, if you have not already bought this book, if it's available for pre-order right now, get it. If not, just order it. Do yourself a favor. This book is for the generations. It's called Image Restored. We're going to have links in the show notes, but I cannot wait for you to hear from Rachel, to hear her heart, hear her passion. You're going to love her just like I do. And I cannot wait for you guys to tell me what you think of this episode. So I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and get started with my conversation with Rachel Gilbert. Hey there, welcome to the Swayology podcast. I'm your host, Ann Watson, and I cannot wait to help you think like a business so you can inspire like a boss. I'm a former corporate multi-passionate entrepreneur turned business coach here to bring you practical advice, inspiration, and motivation as you navigate the wild world of online business and marketing. We are going behind the scenes with successful coaches, creatives, and entrepreneurs like you, and we're getting real about their stories so you can learn everything you need to to build a life and a business you love. It's not going to be easy, but I promise it's going to be worth it. So if you're ready, let's get to it. Rachel, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. This has been a long time coming. We've been talking for years about doing podcasts together, and I finally get you on the Swayology podcast at a really awesome time in your life. I'm so excited about that. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, Anne, thank you for having me. I feel like this is an extremely full circle moment, and I'm I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, honestly, you were a no-brainer, which I think you know. Uh, so you and I have been friends for several years because we have both been hosts for Declare, the Declare Conference, and we've kind of gotten to know each other over the years. But for people who do not yet know who you are, as if there are people out there, I mean, I'm sure somebody maybe hasn't heard of you yet, but I think lots of people have. But would you please just give us a little bit about who you are, what you do? You're so sweet. I feel like, um, you know, whenever I don't think I fully realize that people are watching online. I know that sounds really weird. Like, duh, they're watching online, but you know, I'll bump into people at my kid's school or whatever. And they'll be like, Oh, I listened to your podcast. And I'm, and I have like a, 
oh, oh yeah, there's like real life people behind behind the, <laughs> yeah. you know, the screens. Like, oh wow, I forgot about that. Yeah. So a bit about me. I always think it's important for me to share that I am the baby of five kids and I grew up with that label of shy. And so now anybody who sees what I'm doing, they kind of go, now, what are you doing? How did you get there? Because we would not have put that down as a top 10 things that you we would see you doing when you became an adult. But that's just, I feel like the way God works. He likes to shine through in our weaknesses. Um, but then I did, of course, grow up, got married and um, moved to Texas and I married with three kids and we... My husband and I have, I would guess you would call us uh, multi-passionate people. Uh, we do own a business. I have a podcast. We part-time homeschool our kids. We're building a house right now. I mean, I, I could go on for a while, um, but we just love life. We love living it to the fullest. And I would say, yeah, that's a little about me without spending the next hour just rattling on about me. Well, and I also happen to know that you are a licensed counselor. You're going to have to explain that. Uh, but you're also, like you said, the part business owner, you're also a really successful podcast host. You host the real talk with Rachel podcast. I've been doing that for a couple of years. And so I, I'm not sure when you sleep or eat. <laughs> yeah. Um, very strategically. And so it's funny, you just mentioned that, yeah, I'm a licensed therapist and it just recently, you know, how, when you, um, when you write a book or you do different things, everybody and their dog wants your bio all the time. And so I was, I'd been sending out this bio and I can't remember who I was talking to. And they were like, aren't you a counselor? And I said, oh yeah, I am. It's nowhere on my bio. And so sometimes I just forget the things that I do and am, you know, cause I'm like, I don't really like to, it's not bragging on yourself, but it's just like keeping up with all the things. Sometimes it feels overwhelming. So yes, I am a licensed counselor and my husband and I do, you know, co-own a business together. And for me, it just takes the sleeping and the eating and being, it takes uh, very being intentional with my time, but then also seasons. Uh, Cause I will admit right now I'm in a intense season and I was just telling my husband this intense season, it cannot stick around or I will not be okay. <laughs> like I need right. to know that there's a light at this, at the end of this tunnel. Cause I know I, I can't run at this pace for this long, uh, and not just crash and burn. And so it's also very much seasonal on the things that I do and the things I lay down and say, not this season. Yeah, absolutely. And I forgot to mention, you're also a fitness instructor. That's a area of passion for you. And one of the reasons that this is an intense season for you is because your very first book is about to hit the shelves at the time of this recording. It's not yet out but I think it'll be out by the time we're released. And so I just would love for you to talk about the fact that you are so busy and you have all of these different things that you're juggling and managing seasonally or otherwise, but you had this passion, this message on your heart that just needed to get from the inside of you to the outside of you and how you took that on. Like, how did you filter that, channel that, manage that? when you've already got so many plates you're spinning. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that all these things we're listing that I do, I don't do them all at once. Right. That's very important to know. Um, I don't, I actually don't still teach a fitness class. I'm still, you know, technically, I guess they call it certified as a fitness instructor. And I still love to work out. And occasionally people will draw me into, I've had a few ministries ask me to come do some special things for them, but like the fitness instructor piece, it's not every day or every week or anything like that part of my life. 
But your question was, how am I, how did I go from the book, right? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, just because, I mean, you do, you've got the co-owned business, you've got the therapy business, you've got the podcast, you've got the kids, the homeschooling, the house building, the, all those different things that you're juggling. I mean, for most people, I think they would go, you know, I can't right now. I've got enough on my plate. That's for another time. But you had this just desire to get this message out. It's something that I know has been percolating in your heart for a really long time. And an opportunity presented itself to you. And you were like, you know what? Yep. I'm in a busy season of life. I'm going for it anyway. I just wanted you to talk about like what went on in your mind where you're like, you know what? Yeah, it's busy season, but I, I got to get this out. I mean, tell us about the book, like getting that out in the world. Absolutely. I think that what people see now that I'm going through, they are seeing the culmination of things blooming, right? Mm. So I feel like I spent probably a solid decade uh, planting and watering in the very unseen places and doing small things here and there. And I said yes to one thing here and yes to one thing there. And as I have grown in all these things that we just talked about that I quote unquote do, and here's why I put that in quotes, I have a massive team behind me helping me get all this stuff done. Uh, When you talk about our business, my husband and I, uh, we are really the visionaires there, but we're not in the day-to-day of it. Like we have an awesome team that's running the day-to-day. When you talk about building our house, my husband's really the one spearheading that. Every now and then he'll pull me in for a design question or something. Uh, My podcast, I have a podcast editor, you know, I, I have, I have so many people who are helping me and I don't want that to discourage people because I didn't start there. I didn't start with so many people helping me. I started with just me, myself and I, (laughs) and I was doing everything. And at the time I could totally manage everything because it wasn't much, right? Like it was, you know, of course I was a mom and taking care of my kids, but it was maybe one blog post here or as, as Ann knows, uh, my, you know, when I did start my podcast, it was one a month because I was the one editing it. So like, that's where I started. It was the true humble, small beginnings. I just opened my hands to the Lord. And I said, Lord, this is what I have in my hands. If you can, you know, just take it and bless it. And so he would take that one hour a week that I was able to sit down and work on something and he would bless that. And then, so as he's grown my influence, my ministry, our business, he's also sent the team to sustain it. Because if I didn't have that team, there's absolutely no way. Like I'm not the only one sitting here keeping all this up in the air. So if anybody gets that uh, misconception, I'm sorry. That's if you see most people who you think are maybe crushing it, there's some kind of a team behind them. Um, And I- That's a great point. Yeah, like there's no way that somebody is doing that and not losing their own mind or their own sanity or their own health or whatever. Um, And so, but it's important to know that, that there's a team behind me, but also it's important to know I didn't start with a team behind me. So if you're listening and you're like, well, it's only me, that's okay. That's where I started. That's where everybody starts of only me. Like I'm the only one here, that's okay. Uh, So then back to your question about the book, that is really how- twofold how I was able to do it. One, I have an awesome team that is responsible for different things. And so whenever I sat down to write the book, I had to delegate even more things than I was before, which meant me letting go of some control, letting go of, could I technically still do that thing? Yes. Could I even maybe do that thing better? Yes. But 
I will never be able to get this book written if I don't start to open my hands and let other people in to the team that I prayed for. It's funny because like I prayed for this team, God sends me a team, and then I still wanted to cling to the things like I wanted to still be the one doing them because I'm like, but I want to micromanage. I want to make sure that all the things are getting done the way I want them. And that was another lesson the Lord had to teach me. And so when I did start to write the book, I actually wrote it very quickly, um, quickly to be very honest. It was a message that was in my heart. So I don't know that I could have written any other message this quickly, but I wrote the first, what do we call the crappy rough draft uh, in about three months, which is quick to write yeah. a book. Yeah. And, you know, it definitely was a crappy first rough draft for sure, but it was the content of it. And again, with that, I told the Lord, I have Mondays and Wednesdays while my kids are at school that I can write. It was another one of those moments of here's what's in my hand. Can you take it and bless it? And he did. We spent every Monday and Wednesday for three months just writing this book. Um, so that's how I was able to do it. That's really incredible. And I love what you're talking about, that you have a team that you started small. It was just you. I think that's so important for people to realize that it, it's a good thing when it's just you because you're learning how everything works. You're learning what you love to do. You're learning what you do want to delegate. Then you bring in this team. And I also love that you said you had to learn to let go of control because I do think for so many of us as solopreneurs or entrepreneurs, business owners, we feel like we have to control everything. And so if things aren't perfect, we feel like that's a reflection on us, but I don't think anybody's watching that closely. So it's okay to give up a little control. And then, like you said, you scheduled time to write the book. And I, I'm just curious, did you know that it was going to be three months when you sat down or did you just schedule Mondays and Wednesdays for an indefinite amount of time until the book was done? Or were you that specific? I was that specific because I had a hard deadline. Uh, okay. Like it was due January 1st. And I was like, all right, button seat, no options, which is one of the reasons I love deadlines. Um, you know, whether no matter what you're doing, whether you choose to publish a book, traditional or self, or it's something in your business. I'm a big believer in just deadlines because there is something amazing happens when you have a deadline. All of a sudden you're like, okay, we have, we have to do this. And so then we do something I know you teach and, or um, I think I learned it in your free download that you have of that reverse engineering, you know, a goal yeah. of like going, okay, this is my big goal. Now let's reverse engineer. What are all the small things that have to get done to hit that goal? And so that's what I did with the book. I was like, all right, this is how much time we have. This is, this is what it's going to take. I'm going to have to write this many chapters a week. And it was a button seat situation, you know, no excuses, no phone, no randomness, you know, even when girlfriends would, you know, Hey, can we do lunch? Everything in me wanted to be like, yes, I'd love to do lunch, but I'm like, no, I have to have my butt in the seat. So, you know, <laughs> I love it though. That's such commitment and that's discipline that I think a lot of people who want to write a book don't necessarily have, but you're right. I think that deadline sort of draws you into a place of discipline. And that's one of the hardest things I think for solopreneurs, entrepreneurs is there isn't typically somebody holding a deadline over you, you know, begging you to get something done. You kind of have to manage that on your own. So the fact that you had the deadline, I can see how that would really work for you in that instance. Yeah. So, and I love what you're saying, but in seat. Absolutely. I mean, you, nobody's going to do it except for you. 
And so I love that you had to get it done, but go ahead and tell us a little bit about the book and the message that was burning in your heart. Like, where did it come from and how did it turn into this book? Yeah, the name of the book is Image Restored and it is on body image. And this is a message that I, again, lived for years and then even taught for years and before it even, you know, turned into a book. And I think like many women that I meet, I learned this teaching group fitness. I learned this in having friends. I learned this in counseling women um, have wrestled at some point in our lives with body image. And it's interesting because even after I wrote the book, I looked back on the book is broken down in um, chapters, but then it also has units. And so it comes with six video teachings, which I was really excited. Um, I mean, the purchase of the book, as you and I know, normally that would be like a course cost, right? You know, right, for right. video teachings with, you know, tangible tools you get in your hands. I mean, normally you'd sell that for a couple hundred dollars as a course. And, you know, for 1999, you get this book and these videos, but, um, and you might know this about me that I love video. I feel like I sometimes thrive more in video than writing. Writing, I found that to be more of a challenge for me than I realized it would be, at least to make it pretty writing. I don't mind shorthand, you know, cutesy caption Instagram posts, but trying to turn it into nice, grammatically correct writing was a challenge for me. Anyhow, I got to do this video content. And as I was looking back over the content of, you know, yes, the focus of the book is on body image, but really... It wasn't until I was done writing the book that I felt like the Lord showed me this is just image, period. Like, yes, body image is, of course, a part of that, but like image on what do people think of me? Do they think I'm successful? What, you know, like what kind of image am I putting out there? Um, It just, I don't know. I just, so the book is written on body image, but the Lord has even used it for me to break free in writing the book and in, you know, about to market it and launch it, he's shown me even more things that were even deeper than just body. Like, I feel like body is um, the superficial place we start. And then as we start to dig deeper, you're going, oh, wow, this is so, it's just so deep. And so something that I just have struggled with most of my life is the fear of what people are thinking of me. Like, what are people thinking of me? What, you know, my appearance, my, how do I, how I talk, my, my family, my, I mean, all the areas. Right. And so that is my heart for the book. And I, the biggest reason that I wanted to write this book too, was experiencing this personally and then watching other women let their image be what held them back from pursuing their dreams you know, like that, right. that gets me very fired up to know, oh, wow, because of our fear of what people are thinking of us and because of, you know, distorted body image and things like that. Um, I've seen, I've seen women and myself disqualify ourselves and I'm like, nope, no more. We need to restore and renew and reclaim this territory that the enemy has wreaked havoc in for too long. And I was sick of only the secular world doing it. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, it, you know, I- Honestly, I'm like getting lost in what you're talking about because I'm just thinking about how it has impacted me. You know, when I was a teenager in high school, I was bullied really significantly, particularly about the size of my nose. And at the time, you know, my mom, I think wanting to do the best thing for me, took me to a plastic surgeon 
So when I was 15, I had a really invasive, dramatically drastic surgery in order to change what other people thought about me. And, you know, at the time, I was so young, couldn't fully process it. I'm like, oh, this is what you have to do. You have to change so that other people will like you, which set me on this journey of having to do that. And it's a long drawn out story. But basically what I'm saying is that I really identify with what you're saying. It starts with body image, but then it goes deeper, right? Then you find that you're like worried about, well, what does your house look like when people come over? Or what is somebody actually thinking about you when you're posting something on social media? Or if your kid messes up, are people judging you in the way that you be, you're a mom? Like it, it, does tend to go deeper. And I just think you're right that this book is so needed. And it isn't probably just about body image. It translates also into image. Like what do we think of ourselves? And how can we break out of that in order to do what we're created to do? I mean, I love the verse, Jeremiah 1, 5, I knew you before I created you in the womb, that God was aware of who we were going to be and what he designed us to be before we were even born. And how many of us aren't living into that because we've let what the world says about us just tamp us down to keep us from reaching our potential and being our best selves. Like I'm, I feel fired up, Rachel, about what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really fired up. I'm so excited for this book. I think it's going to be such an important message for women and and really also, I hope for women raising daughters, I'm sure it's going to help men too. But I mean, I see it in my daughters. My daughters are young adults right now. And one of them's getting married and the topic of body image. And even when they're getting dresses altered, it's like, you cannot lose or gain a pound. And then they're like, wait, did I do enough before this moment to look good in this dress? And it's just, it's a thing. It's, it permeates our culture. Okay. So I want to ask you though, about a spin that you have in this book that I think is really interesting because you kind of take people through an image renovation using a construction type of metaphor or analogy. I would love to hear kind of where did that come from and how does that kind of play into the message? Yeah, I know it was a little bit of a gamble to use a construction analogy in a woman's book, uh, because to your point, yes, men do struggle with body image, but the voice of this book is definitely for women. Uh, so maybe one day I'll, you know, write a version for men or something. We'll see. You know, when I sat down to write a book on body image, at first I was stumped because in my experience, more than 10 years of my own personal experience, teaching group fitness, counseling women, doing ministry. I personally b believe and have seen that restoration of body image is kind of like, have you heard of grief is comes in layers, you know, healing. It's like, there's layers, you know, kind of yep. pull back and, um, you know, one season, the Lord will show you one area that he wants to kind of reveal and heal. And then in the next season, he'll, he'll bring up another thing that he's saying, okay, now it's time to look at this. And I've noticed that with body image, because I would see women, especially women I counseled and even in, within my own self, that you would think, woohoo, I got free in this area. And then the next thing you know, 
a new season comes along and you feel like you just took three steps backwards and you're like, wait, hold on. I'm just right back where I was. I thought I was free in this area. And then you feel defeated and like crap and like, what did I do wrong this time? You know, and you're all feeling like shame. No, it was just part of your healing journey because it's coming in layers. So then I knew, okay, I have to approach this with a layered approach of just, it's going to be in layers and that's okay. And I even wrote the book and I said this in the introduction in a way that my prayer is it becomes uh, every woman's body image diary that you leave in your nightstand and that, you know, maybe a new season, the Lord will remind you, Hey, I want you to go back and read chapter 15. There's something in there for you for this season. And that you'll go back and you'll be like, okay, now this chapter really means something to me. Like Uh the first time it was okay. I mean, I wasn't mad about it, but right now I really needed to dig into this topic. And so every single, um, it's broken down into six units. Yes. Like building a home. So we started with the ground zero, you know, the foundation, what are we standing on? And of course, throughout the book, I'm bringing people back to the word of God. Cause I believe if the foundation isn't God's word, none of this is going to be lasting change. Um, and so we do, we just kind of go through like you're building a house and we're approaching all these layers it, from that angle of it's going to be a process. You know, there's going to be parts of it you'll love and parts of it you're going to be like, oh, um, but it's all part of the process and to one, enjoy the process, but then also that there's nothing wrong when a new something pops up, it's just a new layer that we're doing. And so, yeah, that was, he gave me the analogy of a house probably because we were starting to build a house about that time. And I was like, huh, look at this, it's layers. Like it's, you know, we're doing this in steps and uh, some steps were like really quick and just took off. And then, then the next step was delayed and now we're having to wait a little bit. And so it just made, made sense to do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we just built a house and, you know, it took way longer than it was supposed to. And it ended up costing a little more than it was supposed to. And it, it was a process in phases and it felt like we would make a little headway and then we'd have to wait and delay or something else would go wrong. And it was not a bad experience overall, but it was definitely a learning one. And I love the analogy because it, it is like that when you're trying to heal any area of your life, whether it's body image, image, narcissistic abuse, bullying, whatever it is, that you'll think you've gotten past it and then some new trigger will come. And, yep. or you'll see some beautiful model on a magazine and start beating yourself up again. And, but having those tools to begin to recognize those patterns and those triggers so that you can get back to healing faster. I think is so important. So I'm, I'm really excited about this book. I'm really excited about this journey for you. And I'm just curious as you were writing the book, what kind of triggers were coming up for you? Did you have to kind of go back through some healing for yourself as the author? And you're stepping on toes. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not sorry. Sorry. Not yeah, sorry. No, you're not. Uh, yeah, I did. Are you kidding me? I, I don't know. I don't know if all authors are honest about this or not, but I will be that if you're going to write a book, you better be willing to wrestle that message out because it you as you type those words and you go back and you're editing and you're like, hmm, do I believe that? I mean, I, I believe it in my head, but not so much in my heart. And uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, 
Absolutely. But I will also say this, while I did have to wrestle and majorly dealt with imposter syndrome, even as writing at times, because I'm going, I know this is true, but eek, I'm still struggling too. you know, like, oh my. Uh, but at the end of it, I can honestly say currently I am the most free I've ever been in this area of my life both body image and image, just overall image. And the Lord just broke something off of me. Can't quite put words to it, but just, you know what I'm talking about when yeah. you're like, something broke off my heart. I don't even know how to explain it, but something broke. And I believe that just comes from the obedience of pressing in. So again, that's my heart for the women who do read the book and interact in the book. Um, at the end of every chapter, it was important to me to leave space. I, I have journaling questions in there, but then also space for them just to write. Because while I do believe that the words I wrote are powerful and, you know, anointed and will be helpful, I believe that your time with the Lord is going to be the most powerful part of it. Your willingness to say, okay, Lord, yeah, you can have, I'll let you into this area of my life. I, I am, I'm giving you permission to come in and do some work in here. And when we do that, he just blesses it. And sometimes we can't even put words to it. We can't make sense of it, but it's just our obedient yes to let him into that area and to do some work there that the healing comes. So yeah, I, I received that going through the book. So that's my prayer for the women who read it. Oh, I love it. I love that you're doing like journaling. You have some activities in there because I think it is, like you said, it's one thing to read the words, but then there's something when you take a pen or a colored marker or something to an activity that just begins to solidify it in your mind and in your heart. So I hope people will take advantage of those opportunities in the book and really let that message sink in and hopefully break things off of them too. So just so excited about what you're doing. So cool to talk to you about being a business owner with a passion you just couldn't let go of a passion that had to get out there in the world, making structured time for it so that you could manage it. You could get it out there. And I know it's just going to help a ton of people. And I'm just so grateful that you wrote it. I'm grateful to call you my friend. And uh, just last question, you know, do you have any advice for people out there who are thinking about doing something kind of outside of the scope of their business or you know, the passion that they have because there's another passion. What kind of advice do you have for them? I think a great question that I like to ask myself is why am I chasing what I'm chasing? Because we all have lots of different passions, right? right? And it's, it is important to know what is the purpose of that passion? Is that passion just for fun? And is it going to be a hobby? And I have no expectations for it. It's just, Hey, this is just a fun, creative outlet and that's all this is. Or is it a passion that you're going, this is more than just a hobby. I do have expectations. I do have goals. I do have dreams. I do have deadlines. So first get clear on that, because I think sometimes we can get really excited about things and then we just start to go and move ahead. And we don't really know why we're going and moving ahead. And then when the going gets tough, because it will, by the way, if you think that there's not going to be opposition, then somebody lied to you because um, I will just say that when you do step out and follow not only your passions, but the, the things that God has called you to, it's a beautiful thing when our passions align with our, our calling, because it's just fun. 
and it's also anointed and um but I'm going to tell you when you do step out there, um, the enemy is going to be mad about it. Like we shouldn't be shocked by that, that the enemy right. does not like whenever we step out and start pursuing these things that God has called us to. And so also be, be ready for that spiritual warfare. If that's uh, the biggest piece of advice I could give to somebody stepping out to do something that just feels like, whoa, this is, this is a lot, or this is like you said, a passion project or something on my heart to do to just really say, I'm going to make it a priority to be, um, in God's word. And in fact, I have a, um, when I was experiencing some spiritual warfare along a part of writing the book, um, I pulled up my phone here to show you, but it doesn't matter. I started a album, a photo album in my phone called stand firm. And when I see scriptures that speak to me or some, somebody sends me a word that speaks to me, I put it in that photo album. And it's just called my stand firm photo album. And so when I feel like the waves and the storms are knocking me around and I'm thinking I should quit, I should go back. I should get back to dry land. I should ditch this dream and never do this again. I pull out that, that photo album and I'm like, okay, but hold on. What does God's word say? Not what is my feelings and my fears and what all that saying right now. I mean, I'm taking notes over here. I know other people listening are going to take notes. I love this idea of the stand firm photo album to just kind of grab as a quick place to go to remind yourself, these are the things that have made me feel convicted now or in the past. Remembering these are going to get me through this hard season, this warfare, whatever it is to the other side, because I'm on the righteous path. So I love it. I feel like that's an easy tip. And I think you're right. They got to expect spiritual warfare. And yeah, I mean, I just, I think that that was gold. So thank you so much for that. Truly. Yeah. You're welcome. Well, Rachel, I have loved having you on here. I feel like we could talk for hours and hours and I sure I'm going to have to have you back again, but for now, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for being vulnerable and for letting me step on your toes just a little bit. And I hope everybody is going to run out and grab the book. It's called Image Restored, and it's going to be available wherever books are sold. And I just, I'm I'm so excited for this message. I can't wait to get a copy for myself. Everybody needs to read it because we all need it. Well, thank you again for having me. Any time. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for listening to the Swayology podcast. You can find all the links for everything we talked about today in our show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to leave a review on iTunes and take a screenshot and tag me on social media. That helps other women like you find the show and build our community. Got comments? Shoot me a DM on Instagram or head on over to my website. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time on the Swayology podcast.